literally the day I turned 40, I felt like some of the fucks dropped away. I, I, I literally, I woke up and I you went, just shed the fucks right off. I did. I woke up and I was like, I care less. I, what happened? I think with my father passing away, I care less and then I care more for the right thing. Care and less about the shit that doesn't matter and you care more about the stuff that does. Yes. Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna Demedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Hi, welcome back, my friends. Lots of laughs in today's episodes with Matt Marr. He is an actor, a writer, a podcast host himself. He hosts Reality Gaze with his co-host, Jake. And it's hysterical. If you really just want to like laugh your ass off for an hour while going over some of your favorite reality TV shows, Reality Gaze is for you. I met Matt at the podcast conference that I went to. Are you guys like sick of hearing about the podcast conference? <laughs> I it was just such an amazing experience if you're a podcaster and listening to this you totally should check it out there's another conference that's happening in Dallas in August I believe anyway we met there at the conference and he is like the master of ceremonies for the whole conference he's the one that gets up introduces some of the keynote speakers and just makes the audience laugh and get pumped up for the day and when I met him there I kind of pulled him aside and was just like hey I think you're amazing at what you do he had shared with me that his father recently passed so you know me giant rabbit hole all of a sudden opened up and we went down it all. I was so happy that he was willing to come on this podcast today to talk about his experience, tell us about who his father was and what he went through in with his cancer treatments and leading up into his death. So Matt is still very fresh in our club and the, the, the grief club. He's been here since January. He's hitting his first Father's Day in a few weeks. I was very surprised to see how poignantly he was able to explain his grief and and really identify some of the pain points that he feels. And then because we can't not talk about reality television, the whole segment at the end, we talk about all these different aspects of grief that show up in reality TV from Selling Sunset to Summer House to some of the Real Housewives. Welcome to Plathville. So you'll hear that. You'll hear lots of laughs. And there's also a promo for Rent the Runway in the middle of the episode. Make sure you stay tuned for that. A nice little code for a fat discount of 40% off. And as always, I love you. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks for listening. Lots of good stuff going on over here. Again, sign up for the newsletter at ssfylpodcast.com and expect some new updates about all the skies the modern sympathy shop i'm opening up uh, to be coming to you soon so i hope you love today's episode and it gives you a little laugh in your life matt marr co-host of reality gaze i mean you guys were like you got some really big honor in 2020 wasn't it like the reality show that people need to listen to we did. It was like a, a, a was it screen rant article? Yeah, we mm -hmm. got that. That happened. That was cool. That was a moment of, oh, wow, people are actually listening. Oh, my goodness. What am I saying? <laughs> well, I mean, what a huge honor, because I feel like every other podcast talks about reality shows. So, I mean, you're in a huge pool. Of it was people, very kind. It was and for very them kind. to call you guys out is great. And it is. It's so funny. You're, but you like dig into like the actual issues that are going on in, on the reality shows, but of course, making fun of everybody on reality shows, because like, we do what, like, you know, if you're going to put yourself out there, you have to, I mean, there's, there's someone you're signing like, up to get made fun of. 
There's a guy in a, on this season of 90 Day Fiance, which is our main, sh- we cover a lot of shows, but 90 Day Fiance is our main show. There's a guy who is in a band and his band member's name is Space Cash and he wears a space helmet and I guess only pays for things with cash and doesn't speak. Oh, okay, sure. sure. So like, we're going to make fun of that. Right. <laughs> we're going to make fun of that. Absolutely. But yes, there's also a lot of, there's a lot of other poignant moments that it helps me put on a little bit of my old school, ther- my old therapist hat that I dust off every once in a while. Yes, exactly. Because you are in the therapy world. Do you do any clinical practice? I feel like I'm a recovering Catholic and a recovering therapist. I so, love it. <laughs> but no, yeah. I, I, I think I do on the podcast, the kind of reality shows we cover. We don't do less housewives. Listen to watch what crappens if you want. Um, want They're the best for housewives. But what we want something that's at least rooted in some type of realism. So mm. we watch shows like 90 Day Fiance, or we like things like Welcome to Plathville. We love, there's a show called Pig Royalty. And um, these are just about people that, and a lot of our shows are, we did Love is Blind, or about people dating, about people looking, as we say, people looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm, and okay. what, why that's interesting to us is because if you haven't worked on your stuff, you're either going to be your best self or your worst self when you first are dating someone. Yep. And so it brings that out. And then I think it's super brave that these people or idiotic, whatever, whatever side you want to be on that people do this. You know, we have another show we cover called that's on WeTV called Love After Lockup. And it's people that are dating someone that's coming out of being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So that's super interesting as well, because it brings up, I mean, all these shows, 90 Day Fiance 2 brings up nationalism and what we think yeah. about Americans versus what, how they're seen in the world. And Love After Lockup talks about incarceration and recidivism and, and racial things. So we keep it light and fun, but we do like to have something that has a little bit of grit for us to actually relate to. I mean, I think it's interesting, just me going through like life and learning things, but you as a therapist, are you, do you find yourself like screaming at the screen for some of these shows? Like, what are you possibly thinking or what are you doing? Like, especially in some of the dating situations, I see like these massive red flags and these people just, it's just far over their head. They don't get it. They don't see it. Like, is that frustrating for you or just hella entertaining for you? Both. Yes. I mean, we do have a, we do have, we haven't done it in a while, but we used to have a segment called straight people be crazy because we're like, what the heck are they thinking when they're doing this? But it's also, you know, we see the red flags when we're standing from the shore, right. but when you're in that sea, you don't see it. So, mm-hmm. cause believe me, I've been there, but there is a lot of, I think just therapist training. I'm able to point out a little bit more of, oh, this is some big time, especially dealing with reality shows, you get people that are narcissists. And so you see like a narcissist and I'm like, oh girl, you're, you're with a narcissist. This isn't ever going to work out. Cause yeah, that's not right. going to change. This goes beyond just, he's a little bit of a dick, but like, no, he's got an issue. Yeah. Like I know it's a personality disorder. Yes. That's not a pill or a CBT type of therapy thing you can use to fix. So I see those type of things probably a little more than most. So you and I connected because you was recent, right? Was it January that you lost your father? It was, it was January, January, mm-hmm, January 19th. Yeah. My, it, it's a one, my father's named after the gayest part of New York, Chelsea. <laughs> so, which he always thought was, he always like, man, there's gay people in Chelsea. I'm like, dad, like tons of gay people in Chelsea. He went, really? I'm like, yes. And he went, huh? 
well, I'll be out to go. I bet I'd be a bear. And I'm like, dad, I'm not taking you to Chelsea. I love that you have one of the most Southern accents I've ever heard. And then I just heard you do a Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> like that was thick. That Oh, that was my fault. I mean, that's my whole family back in Southern Oklahoma. You, you won't, Aunt Darla, Aunt Peggy, you probably wouldn't understand them. You'd be like, what are they saying? I know. I would need you to translate. Exactly. That's so funny. So yes, tell me about your dad. Tell me about Chelsea. A, from that minuscule little impersonation uh, you just did, I feel like he's hilarious. But B, I saw on your Instagram the beautiful photos that you took of the funeral. I, and I like kick myself because it's something I wish I would have done. I think I was just in such mm. shock at my dad's funeral. It was just not. And, and I don't know. Who knows? You know, it's like, is it not like culturally appropriate to do that, but whatever. Like I, I love seeing people that have the pictures and the videos. Anyway, he got beautiful, beautiful flower arrangements. One of which was in a tractor and the yes. other one was in a toilet. So yes. I'd love to hear the backstories <laughs> on those. So my dad grew up, he lived in Oklahoma his entire life. He grew up, I'm from a small, small town called Lone Grove, which is right out a bedroom community to a smaller, a, sm a, a bigger small town called Ardmore. So right on the Oklahoma, Texas border, kind of like 30 minutes from it on I-35. So just to give you, that's where he like, my father never lived anywhere else his entire life. So he grew up very, very, very poor. And I mean, like sometimes they maybe had, you know, six meals a week. Wow. So, and, you know, putting cardboard in their shoes to last because they can afford one pair of shoes kind of a lot. So we grew up with that. And so my dad, when he, and ironically, all of his siblings, all of them have become very successful because they just, by sheer will, decided, because none of them went to college or anything, just decided I'm going to work as hard as I can. And, and so all of them worked very hard. And also I would say, all of them are very successful parents because they were poor because his father, my dad, when he was five, he had five brothers and sisters. And, but when my dad was five, his father left them for another and had another family. And oh my God, um, we found out on me in 23, my dad had 17 relatives in like Alabama where his family's originally from. Oh my so. gosh. So just literally found out he had a sister and all this. And I see an uncle or a, a guy who looks just like me. And I'm like, what the heck? Cause I look like my dad. Wow. So that's a whole other podcast, but uh, I bring all this up because my dad, they had a broken family and were poor. So for him, Family and comfortability was everything. So he worked, he started working to, for, to help feed his family when he was 12. And so he started working at a service station when he, by the time he was 15, he actually was in high school and was the general manager, like owner of the gas station. Oh, wow. And did that. And then that morphed into, he worked in the pipe fitters union and then he ended up becoming a plumber. He was a plumber in just plumbing houses and doing maintenance and things like that for 55, 60 wow. years. I mean, so he was his, like the guy to call. He the was town. the guy. Yes. Yeah. And he was because he had done it so long. And my dad had this, you know, if my dad did have college, I think he for sure would have been an engineer or something like that mm -hmm. because he could do math, I could give him numbers and he could just pause and calculate it and divide it and do it all in his head and give me the number faster mm -hmm. than I could do it on a calculator. Crazy. So, and just, he could design a house in his head and remember 20 years later where water lines are buried and all this kind of stuff. So he was just so proud of that. And it was so work was everything to him. And 
hard work, especially. And he, so much so that I think like 10 years ago, he went ahead and, you know, my family has a plot at a graveyard and he went ahead and already put his headstone out like 10 years ago. Wow. And, and the only way we found out is my brother, Brian, my older brother, I have one sibling, he called me and he, he's like the emotional one. He's always, it's, he's like the straight Bubba brother, but yet he's the cry one and I'm not. It, he okay. always says I'm dead inside. And, but he calls me and he's crying. He's like, our dad's messed up. And I'm like, what's wrong? Why, why are you crying? He's like, I can't, he sends me a picture. And I said, why am I looking at a picture of our father's headstone? And he said, dad did it. And he didn't even tell me. I came out to see grandma and then I see my dad's headstone. And he, oh my God, what a he, shock that must've been. And I called my dad. I'm like, dad, you did your headstone. And I'm now I'm doing my father, but I'm not cussing because this is a family friendly show. But for my father, there would be a lot of F-bombs and GD because <laughs> that was my dad. But I said, dad, why'd you put your headstone? He's like, well, Matt. He said, you're an actor and your brother doesn't have his stuff together. I don't know if anybody will be able to find me. Oh, my. so he so he did it. So he bit his headstone. But on his headstone, he placed his plumbing. Chelsea Marr logo is actually on the headstone. No way. And it says here lies Chelsea Marr and has the date. And then under it, it said he worked first and he played later. And that oh, was my man. dad saying that he said, he would say, Matthew, you got to work first and play later. He had all these weird sayings. I tell all that long story because that's kind of how important work was to my father and what it meant to him To But he was, as you can tell from his own headstone, he was, he had a huge sense of humor and just also no boundaries. I mean, he would talk about anything and everything. And it, you know, he was a, I will say he was probably a better father than he was a husband. He had three wives. Mm. So, you know, and, but it, but my dad was a gregarious. He was, so that's why when we had the funeral, my, I told my brother, my brother and I were like, you know, how do we do this funeral? And one of my dad's saying, when you're a Mar, you go big or go bigger. Okay. And so, cause my last name's Mar. And so yeah. that's where Brian, I was like, how do we do this funeral? My brother said, well, when you're a Mar, you go big. And then we both kind of looked at each other. Oh, go bigger. You go bigger. So, and my dad, of course, had like paid for everything already because he didn't there want my go. brother. Even though my brother and I could now, he didn't want us to pay for everything. And I, we said, well, screw it. We're going to spend money on flowers and stuff like that. And then also a lot of people donated the tractor company that he bought his tractor from. They donated their tractor, pardon me, their tractor. And then they put flowers in it. And then the local plumbing supply house that knew my dad because he would go there and talk to the plumbing guys every day. They donated the toilet and the woman at because I'm from a small town. Everybody knew my dad. And she said, I was thinking, what if we just do what if we just do some an arrangement in it in a commode? And I went, that is so weird. And so my dad, <laughs> because he right. was such a showman and he just he liked he liked to be well thought of and he liked to for people to know who he was. He enjoyed that. And so, you know, he had we all have a bit of an ego and he had a big one. And so we just thought, let's just do it up. I tell people now when you're burying your parent, I mean, obviously do whatever it is you need to do. But you're right. I think there is a little bit of we feel like we don't want to quote and feel like we're bragging or feel like we're being too much. But if you love someone, it's a true celebration of who they yeah. are. Yeah. And my dad got, and my dad and my brother and I was lucky. I know it's for, it's not the same for a lot, but I was very close to him and he was very close to my brother. And we just, we loved each other very much. And 
you know, he, he told himself when he had kids, I'm not going to be what my father was. Mm -hmm. And so he made the complete 180 and was such a devoted dad that we just wanted to celebrate his life. Mm -hmm. I think there's an, uh, a bit of it too, about like almost being disrespectful. As you said, you're a recovering Catholic. I am too. And I think it's been so set in my brain. The only, I think honestly, the only funerals I've ever attended prior to my dad were Catholic funerals. Uh, they're very rigid and they're in the mass and it's, 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 there's the viewing, but then there's the casket and there's this. And there was like only one way of doing it. It's and it's very solemn. Yeah. And I, I, you know, my dad was the type where he would always joke and say, you know, when I die, I want to be propped up in a corner. I want a cigar in one hand and I want vodka in the other. Okay, great. Would have loved to have done that for you, but it was so sudden we yeah. like couldn't even get our heads around it. Yeah. And we just weren't in the mood to, you know, be celebratory or whatever we, yeah. we did in, in other years. And, and Pat, I think it was the, the two year anniversary. I had a bench dedicated for him in mm. his town right outside of his office and a friend of his in the area that owned a restaurant we went and that's where we had that celebration that i think is what he would have wanted but yeah i look back at it and i'm like the outpour of love and just almost like how beautiful he looked too like at how at peace he was like i almost wish i had photos to look back on of that mm. day i always tell people like it was a tornado it was an absolute tornado yeah. the day of the funeral and like i hardly remember anything and i i wish almost for my own closure that i was able to remember a little bit more and maybe did have photos but i i see it happening a little bit more there was somebody they had a they hired a professional photographer for the the yeah. funeral for their husband and i love that idea i mean who says you can't do that you know do it However, yeah. make it fun, put personal touches in it. Like we tried with just little things. My dad hated ties, hated wearing ties. So we, we didn't have him in a tie. And like that in a Catholic church, I felt like we were so disrespectful. <laughs> no, yeah. When we did a viewing for my dad, we, we put him in a shirt, but not a tie or anything like that. Cause he never would have done that. And mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, you had a more sudden death mm -hmm. with your father. So there's also... You know, my father had multiple myelomic, which is a rare cancer. It's the same cancer that Colin Powell just died of. Okay. He had multiple myeloma. And that's why when he got COVID, it's a really, that's a very bad comedy. Although when my dad, my dad had COVID, he had the sniffles for two days and that was it. So you just <laughs> never know. But, but so it's, but my, it's, it's a very, it's a rare, I mean, the best things my friend told me when I said, oh, my dad has cancer and he has a multiple myeloma. And she just looked at me. She had, she was a cancer survivor herself. She had it when she was young. She just looked at me and she said, oh, that's a bitch of a cancer. Get ready. Uh, but that yeah. was such a good thing to tell me. Yeah. Because it kind of prepared me. To be real me, about it. To be real about it. And so I knew, my brother and I knew going into basically kind of the last kind of Hail Mary is a stem cell transplant. And so my dad did that. And we went through that process. And this type of cancer, it takes out your electrolyte or it makes your electrolytes all wonky. Yeah, it, it like depletes you to basically nothing. Well, so you get so can... confused. So yeah. my dad... My dad wouldn't remember where he was. He didn't know who we were. He, and my dad was very stubborn. So we like had, they had to strap him down to hospital beds. He's like fighting them. I mean, we laughed about it because it's also my father. So I come in in the morning. He's like, Matthew, you got to get me out of here. And I'm like, why dad? He's like, I'm in a whorehouse and this hooker's trying to give me drugs. <laughs> and I'm like, 
dad you're in a hospital but he thought he just immediately thought all the nurses right. were sex oh, workers of course. Sure. and I'm yeah. like because that's my dad um <laughs> and he's like yeah he's like your brother's coming out with the tractor because we've got a leak under the hospital we got it so it's crazy but I would do things like I would turn on the tv before I left and I would look at what he was watching and I would come in the morning and if he was associating with what I would watch mm. like if I put on a show I remember it was two women like doing a HGTV thing. And I come in the morning, he's like, man, I got these two women. They're trying to build this house. They got these shingles. And I went, okay. So he's not completely out of it. It's just right. his associating with the, what he's seeing on TV. Yes. that may not necessarily be reality, but he's not yes. too far off. But, and we, and my, thankfully my dad didn't remember, but we laughed about it, but it was also horrible to watch him go through. And this happened probably like five or six different times. So between that, and then when the stem cell transplant normally it that will that usually always works and if it doesn't work it may be somebody will go out of remission in like a year we did the stem cell transplant and it worked on my father and then two months later he went into remission oh. so we kind of knew that this wasn't going to happen and and so that was we had about five months to kind of just prepare that my dad was going to die so i think that's why when my brother and i had the funeral there was stuff to do with his house and estate and stuff like that. And we were at, I will say we were trying to do all of it. And then I just looked at my brother and I said, why don't we just not do any of this right now and just, just have a celebration for dad yeah. and, and emotionally close this out yeah, in a way or a chapter. And we said, oh, and that was the best thing we could have done because it was kind of like, we felt like we, for me, it felt like we, and my brother said too, it felt like we said goodbye to cancer dad. Like that was done because our father was so much more than cancer. Yes. And, but we were so consumed with that for a year and a half of his life. Cause it was, it was very sudden. He like got it and he started feeling weird by mid August and then by, but we didn't have any idea. And then by September 1st, he couldn't walk and couldn't remember his name. He was going to the bathroom on himself. And we didn't mm. know what was happening. And then by like September 20th, we got the diagnosis. Mm. So, and then he never walked again after that. Wow. And so, so it, it really was from like August to January. No, that was August to September. And then we did a whole year of, oh, gotcha. I, I okay. moved back from Los Angeles. I moved back to Oklahoma because my brother at the time was a restaurant owner and you know what it's like when a new restaurant owner. Yeah. So it's just like, he didn't have the time to commit. And my father was very like, he wouldn't let anybody, but my brother and I like, you know, wipe his butt or anything yeah, well, like you, that. I mean, you know, there were a bunch of whores running around. He couldn't trust <laughs> yes. anybody. Lots and lots of whores trying to give me acid, Matthew, <laughs> as he would say. I'm like, I don't even know who does acid anymore, dad, but sure. <laughs> so anyway, what you learn, I think about grief is, there's not a better way. I don't there think there's not it all a sucks. It all sucks. And there's not a better way to experience grief. Like, yes, my father and I, my brother and I got to prepare, but we also had like this, we didn't get to have, you know, what some people have, like the, their parent goes, their family goes into hospice and they're able to talk about family memories. And no, we couldn't do that. Cause my dad was so confused. He didn't know where he was for a month before he died. Yeah. So like the last time I talked to my dad, was on a FaceTime call on January 6th saying, I love you. And then the next day he didn't remember who I was and then he yeah. died three and a half weeks later. Yeah. So it's like, we didn't get that type of closure. So, but when you had his, like the shock of it, 
it's horrible too. And my dad hated though, that my brother and I were seeing him like that. So it's just so much, everybody has their own complex story. Yeah. I love what you said though, about how you said goodbye to cancer dad, but then you had to remember, or you had to give some type of memory to regular dad too. Yeah. And that was the funeral. I think that is so interesting because I certainly could see how you can get wrapped up in that. I could see that being something that people struggle with and just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the end of the the illness, but not realizing like what that really means on the, in the grand scheme of it all. So it's it's good that you and your brother were able to look at it that way. If you're close to your parent, you usually, you have a lifetime of them that you remember. For my father, it was 18 months of his life. So it was a blip in his life of the charismatic, amazing life he had. So it it was nice for us to just to say goodbye because we were so just in the caretaker mode of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And which again, I'm really grateful that we did. At the time people said, you're doing too much. And no, but I'm like, but it's my dad. Like who else is going to do it? I'm going to do it. And my brother and I just did it. So it, and I'm like, you're, I'm so grateful that I did all that. And, but yeah, so it just, but that, I think with the community there and like, we were very lucky, like my dad wasn't a religious person. I always tell the story that like his third wife, he didn't want to get married in her church because he said, why do I want to get married in church? It doesn't accept people like my son who are a hell of a lot better than those hypocritical preachers. Mm-hmm. And so that's my dad. And so it, he, but his friend, his best friend from like 19 was a preacher. And so it wasn't just this blanket sermon. It was him crying and talking about his friend. And I think the most thing that was healing about that for us is my father never talked about his death with my brother and I, we would, we would try to bring it up. I mean, come on, I'm a therapist. My brother's a pretty sensitive, smart guy. And so we would say, you know, dad, and he'd say, nope, ain't happening. Not going to do it. I'm your dad. (laughs) That's what he would say every time. Ain't happening. And we're like, okay. But it was so nice to hear that my dad called his friend who's a preacher and he said his friend's name is Roy. And he was the one person, he didn't do it with his sisters or anything, but he said, Roy, I'm dying. This is my last Christmas. And he said, I just want you to pray with me on the phone. And I want you to, you know, I want you to do my sermon. And that gave my brother and I some closure too, because we always, because when your father gets confused, you go, do they know what's happening? Do they get it? Thank God I have, whether you have a sibling or a spouse or someone, because my partner of eight years is is a single child. And I always say like, I promise you, I'm going to be there for as much as I can. Because I don't know how I could have done this without my brother. Mm-hmm. I'm an only child too. So like the fact that like, and I know, I hope your husband showed up, you know? Oh my God. Like, it's thank like, God for him. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how people, you hear of some people that like, oh, my mom passed away in North Carolina and I flew by myself and handled it all by myself. And yeah. I'm just going... So there are two trains of thought on that, where you are lucky to have a great relationship with your brother. So it Mm, made it a pleasant experience, but for people who don't, and same thing with my husband, he and his sister are best of friends and went through it together. But for other people where you don't get along or you have different beliefs or you think 
that funeral could have should have been another way that no that needs to be in a church it needs to be this it needs to be that that can create huge problems or yeah. especially just even years after and how it is processing where like i it's been five years i still want to talk about my dad at every holiday possible like let's bring out the pictures let's talk about the memories but mm -hmm. say you had a sibling that's like this is done like it's over i don't want to talk about it anymore like how much strife that can can cause so i don't know maybe it's a defense mechanism yeah, i know i i get that i have a lot of privilege in that you know and so that i had the the best sibling situation probably possible yeah. I, I, it was really tough for me though, as a, as an only child. So I love that you say that to your partner, that you're going to be there for him because it is true. You do need somebody, but I think I just try to tell myself, I'm like, well, you know, it could, maybe I got lucky. <laughs> like maybe yeah, I maybe did get lucky. Yeah. Really hard. I don't know. So especially my, my dad did not get along with his sister. So when I would say like, you know, how come you guys didn't have any more kids? The real story is my parents divorced like eight minutes after I was born, but my dad's version of the story was because they got it right the first time. So they didn't need to have any more kids. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But thank you. He, yeah. He used to show, he was like, I did you a favor. Okay. Like, this is not fun. This is not, not everything it's cracked up to be. So what about grief did you find to be the most surprising or something that you just like had no idea you were going to be faced with? Honestly, the anger. Mm -hmm. I am not an angry person. And you know, I don't want to say that because I feel like we put, we call somebody an angry person or not. Like everyone has anger. That's a human emotion. So mm -hmm. let me backtrack on that. I don't have anger a lot. I have annoyance. Like technology, my boyfriend, my partner's always like, can you just calm down? But like, I get really angry, not at people, but at technology things. I, it, it's a thing. And now, honestly, I talked to my own therapist about it. He's like, be angry at the computer. Who yeah. cares? So I just am. And two things I've noticed that one, when people post about, oh, you know, like we said goodbye to mom and it was really beautiful and we got to do this. I have that fuck you. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck you. I had to sit in a hospital with my father's confused, watching him gasp for breath until he died. And then getting a call at one in the morning, because I couldn't stay in the hospital. I could only go there like three hours a day. But like, I had to like, and I, I'm not worse than anybody else. So I don't want to say that. But I just want to say like, that's where I think my anger comes from. It's just that my brother had to go back because of the night he had to go back for work, bless his heart, was of course the night where I heard my dad had the death rattle. Mm -hmm. And luckily I had a good friend whose mom died from cancer. She kind of coached me through everything. And right, so about what to expect. Yeah, because no, you kind of look online, but you really just get like a watered down version and you're not. Cause like my father, I couldn't touch him because it would aggravate him. It would like over since sensory overload him. So I couldn't even like like rub his arm and calm him. I just kind of had to sit in a chair and just like send him energy. That's all I could kind of do. Mm -hmm. But she told me, she said, yeah, if you're hearing the rattle, it's not going to be long. And mm -hmm. so my brother, literally, I said about him and I left and I heard that and I went, fuck, I'm not going to tell my brother because he's got, he like, I know he left me crying, like, because he didn't want to, but he had to. So I just got to do this. And so I sat with my dad and kind of just prayed he would die then when I was there, yeah. but he didn't. And so then I came back and then I got a call at like one in the morning. And so then just like, I went up to the hospital. And I think the thing that I think I was, I'm still like processing my anger about is I'm so used to what we, what death we see in the movies. Ugh. 
And like, like I just went and saw some undergrads in opera. Everybody dies at the end of the opera because it's just sad. (laughs) And it's the whole like they're singing arias to each other and then they die in each other's arms. And so she dies first and the guy's going to die in a second. But immediately I felt this rush of anger because I went, that's not how people die. Yeah. That is not how people die at all. And I was able to know I wasn't mad at that, but I was just, it brought me back. I was angry and it actually literally just happened three days ago. And I went, this will be good to talk on the show. But I was angry because I'll just never forget like walking into that hospital room. And I expected this, the only dead people I've seen have been at a funeral. Mm-hmm. So I expected to see my dad, like eyes closed, mouth Made shut, up. Yeah. hands looking peaceful. And no, yeah. it was my father, eyes open, mouth agape, looking like it, it reminded me of like, my father looks like a dead fish. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I couldn't get over that. My dad died in January, but because of COVID, we couldn't have his funeral till the end of February. It wasn't until we had the funeral that I stopped going to bed at night and I wouldn't see my father's dead face. Yes. It took a, it's, it, that, that's when I knew the funeral helped me in some emotional mm-hmm. way, but I still have a lot of anger about that. It's that I couldn't, I, and a lot of people have this right now. I mean, I, I, I had a better situation than what people had in COVID. So, but it's made me think a lot about people in COVID, like how angry are people that they couldn't be there when their loved one died? Like it's, so it's just, so that's kind of what was the shocking thing for me is I think I'm over it. And then I'm furious in the, at the end of an opera because, Mm -hmm. or I watch a TV show and I'm like, no, they're dying wrong. That's not how you die. Mm -hmm. It almost as a writer and actor, because I do that too. It makes me like, I don't know if I'm going to explore like this in a way. And it's traumatic to see. Yeah. So that anyway, that for me has been anger for me has been the number one. It seems like your dad was just such a fun, loving guy that like the community loved and that this earth needs more of. When I see things on the news or even I I got into... (laughs) really long story short, got into a um, verbal altercation with a neighbor who I'd never met before, but decided to come banging on my door, calling me all sorts of obscenities because we used his trash can by accident because it got mixed up. Whole long story. Police were called. We almost had to press charges. Outrageous. And he's the same age as that my dad would have been. And I looked at my husband and I'm like, and that asshole's walking the earth, but my dad can't be here. Yeah. Like it's those types of completely innocuous situations that have nothing to do with my dad that I get so angry of like, you're kidding, right? Like he gets to still be here. And then in my head, I'm going, I don't mean to make it about me. Like, I I know this has nothing to do with me or my dad, Yeah. but it, but it just comes up and it's just, it, it's, you describe that so well, it has nothing to do with your parent, but yet something about that situation just brings in that just unfairness yeah the unfairness of it and it just and I think a lot of anger comes from me as somebody that you know I think I got into acting and storytelling because that saved me as a little feminine gay wonder woman loving kid in the middle of southern (laughs) Oklahoma I had no one to look to except for like wonder woman and like superheroes that I loved or then as I got older like in 
college, like the will and grace and things like I finally started seeing myself in media. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one reason why I gravitated towards it. But now I have this thing like uh, media, you do a terrible fucking job of death. Yes. Telling about what death is. And I'm angry at you for this because I feel like I've been lied to. Yes. And no well, one prepared me for this. And birth is another one. That was oh, literally yeah. before I gave yeah. birth, I took a class and that was the whole class is like, let's sit here and dissect what Hollywood says you're about to go through because it ain't nothing like it. So nothing. let's talk about this. Like, oh, your water isn't just going to break as you're standing on a New York street and a taxi isn't just going to swiftly take you to the hospital where you're going to do two pushes and your baby's going to come out with no blood on it whatsoever. Like that ain't how it happens. No. Real quick, I want to mention Rent the Runway. You guys know that I'm traveling a ton. We moved different states. How do I keep up with that with my wardrobe? Well, here's the trick. I don't really have a lot of clothes. I have some basics and the rest of it, I rent from Rent the Runway. It's the best way to keep up with the styles, the seasons, everything that you could possibly need, any events that you need to go to. I don't have to worry about lugging all that stuff with me. I just rent it and have it sent to whatever location I'm in. But it's not just for travel. I did it all the time too before we were traveling and it's just a great way to make myself feel better. You know, who wants to be in an outfit that you don't even feel comfortable in, you don't like the way that you look? Rent the Runway lets you mix up your styles as often as you want. You can choose from 700 designers. I've found designers that I hadn't even heard of that now are some of my favorites. And the absolute best feature, free shipping and dry cleaning. Amazing to not have to worry about that whatsoever. And that's a huge savings for both financially and with time. There's exclusive discounts that you get all the time and you can pause or cancel at any time. They have several different plans that fit your needs. So you can pick how often you think you're going to be wanting styles or how many styles you're going to need per month. Right now until the end of January is a special offer that they have 50% off two months of Rent the Runway membership. My code RVRGiana can help get you 50% off of two months. They have memberships that are starting as low as $45. Great way to try out Rent the Runway, try new trends to spice up that wardrobe in the new year. This offer lasts until January 31st. So log on and act now with code RVRGiana. So perfect segue in Hollywood and TV is, and movies is not portraying death well, but do we think that reality TV is doing it justice? Uh, I think that one of the most profound moments of watching grief in reality TV for me was that we as a viewer were right there when Carl found out, Carl Radke in Summer House found uh. out that his brother had overdosed and we like went through that whole morning with him I mean, that is like the most raw it can possibly be. So I wanted to know your thoughts on that or just like if there were other very memorable moments from reality TV where you think that maybe it did portray it in the way that it actually happens. We cover Summer House. That's one of the shows we recap. And so I forgot about that until you said it. But yes, man, watching him go through that It was one of the most riveting and best things I think I've seen on reality Mm -hmm. TV Mm -hmm. because it was, it reminded you of real world New York or like real world San Francisco. And I mean like real world 
Not the reboot. They did the right, second right. one. No, like, like the OGs. Like the yeah. OG. And because it just, his ability to just, I honestly couldn't believe he stayed. The fact that yeah. he stayed so long in the show and processed that. And that was when they were there during COVID. So it's mm-hmm. not like they could, everything he was his like brother, locked in. His debtor yeah. died in the lockdown of COVID. And so you saw, I mean, I'm still speechless a lot when I think of it, because it was yeah. just so raw. And I think what I noticed, if you watch Summer House now is you definitely have like, you think, oh, I'm 30 or, oh, I turned 40. Like I have these big m- moments of, and I'm not married yet, but I can imagine maybe a marriage feels this way or like a birth, but like, you know it, but when your parent dies, you're just different. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a moment. And I know we can say it, people are like, yeah, I'm sure I'll be different, but until you feel it, it's just, you just, and so, or a sibling, which honestly, I think a sibling would be in a way could be worse mm-hmm. because you just are not worse, but just it's, more intense. It's not the cycle of life. Yes. Someone yes. had explained it to me before, you know, eventually yeah. you're going to lose a parent. You hope yes. it's not until you're 60, whatever years old, but you know that your chances are, you're not going to make it through life yes. with them always being here. But with a sibling or a child or a spouse, that is not the order of life. It's like, not, that the order, is yes. not what we're prepared for. So just to see the shock of that for him, yeah. I've tried to pro and you look at it like now he's sober and now he's living a completely different life completely different completely different in the best way possible in the best way possible i will say it's the beauty of why it's important for us to why i love your podcast and what you're doing because it's well no because this is someone told me and i say i don't even remember who said it but it's like we're now in a club that none of us wanted to be a part of maybe it was you somebody it might have been you who (laughs) said that to me actually yeah you said that to me at podcast movement and it was you and it stuck with me and so now, like seeing Carl, you, you just go, okay, we're part of a club that, yeah. And so you do feel that you feel very alone in your grief. And it just, I felt less alone in that moment by watching him. And so I, I, I think that him being brave enough to do that on television actually saved lives. I bet you people yes. saw that and got sober or 100%. saw that and went to a therapist because they knew they hadn't dealt with the grief of someone yeah. in their life. Or reached out to a sibling and maintained a relationship that maybe yes. wasn't there before because now they yeah. see how much they could possibly mean to the person. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. he has made a complete 180, as we said, in the best way possible. And I get like emotional even thinking about it. I have like a lump in my throat right now because he is a shining example of how life can go on after grief. Yeah. yeah. And it can even be better. And that's be better. not to say like, you would ever want to trade your loved one for a better life. But it's just this notion of, because this is not what I thought. I I really was convinced life was completely over. I was never going to feel better than I did the day of the funeral. And that like, this mm. was just shit for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And to see an example like this on television of no, he's okay. And his relationships are great and people really look up to him and people, he's in a better standing among the people in his life than he ever was before. This portrayal of a happiness after grief 
not even after grief because there is no after but after a death is so so important and i totally agree with you and that i think he saved lives not only in the issue of addiction and overdose but in the issue of depression anxiety mental health giving people hope to say you could come out of this even better than you went into it yeah and i certainly think that's true for myself i i think i just have a totally different outlook on the world and i like the person that i have become and i respect myself for having gone through all of this shit, quite yeah. frankly yeah yeah you really I, this happened to me a little bit when i turned 40 but i think with i'm 43 now so i think with my father passing away it's just i care less and then i care more mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the the, uh, for the right things for the right thing care and less about the shit that doesn't matter and you care more about the stuff that does yes and it's yeah. very much like like I already felt literally the day I turned 40, I felt like some of the fucks dropped away. I, I, I literally, I woke up and I you went, just shed the fucks right off. I did. I woke up and I was like, I care less. I, what happened? But it was totally like I've lived life. But with this, it's more of, I, I really, what other people, you know what it did? I was just talking about this last night with, ironically, one of my, my very, 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 very first therapy client in an internship years ago, was like my therapy client and we were and at the time like when we ended therapy he's like he was like girl because he was gay as well and he's like girl can we be friends i was like well ethically we can't da 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 we have to wait till two years and he said okay i'm setting in my calendar now <laughs> and i mean two years in a day he called me he was like bitch let's go get drinks and <laughs> so amazing. now we're now we're friends like 13 years later but we were talking about this idea he said something and it really hit me he's a little younger than me but he just went through was in a long relationship and went through a divorce, which again, is a type of death. Death in itself, absolutely. And so much grief. So we were talking about grief and he said, for me, because I kind of said like one of my favorite, I think Eleanor Roosevelt slash RuPaul quotes is what other people think of me is none of my business. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of have really that, it's been something that's helped me in the last like two or three years. But with my father's death, my friend said, it's not even just that what other people think of me. He said, it's not even the negative things. He said, I don't care about the praise or the good things people think about me anymore. I just don't care. And I went that you hit on something that ever since my father's death, it's like, I guess for me, this is a very personal process. So it's different for all. Most people are born. You want to get, if you have any type of relationship, good or bad, you're either fighting for, or you're, you've been able to accept the approval of your parents. Mm -hmm. Like we, I think there's that part of us that they, we just want to, I'm going to use this gross loaded word, but I, I think we use it in a bad way, but we often, I would find myself saying, I just want to be a good boy. I just want to be mm -hmm. a good kid. There is a part of me that still wants that with my mother. And, but with my father's death, it's, and for me, it ended well. So I can't imagine if it didn't, but even though now that he's gone, I went, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't, I'm not fighting for my father's love or for my father to think I'm not trying to make my dad proud anymore. Right. So why do I give a shit if I'm making you proud? The praise from everybody else doesn't matter if it's not coming from my dad. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's, but in a way, I mean that in a, not a sad way, it's a freeing, right? Like, because I had the praise from my father. Yeah. For me, it was like, I look back on it and, and it's, I know that things could have gone better, but I do feel like 
could have gone a lot worse. I feel very lucky, but you know, it was COVID happened, all this kind of balancing stuff and doing all these podcasts and my, and doing my day job. Like I was in charge of the payroll and stuff and doing, like, I remember driving oh my, my dad back and down to Houston and telling my father, dad, we got to pull over at the Starbucks and I've got to like get online so I can do the payroll for people for an yeah. like 30. And my dad was like, that's fine. So this is kind of the way life was for about a year. And I was here for a couple of weeks before I went back. And my dad, I was just talking to him and he said, Matthew. And I said, yeah, pop. And he said, I got him pop. And he said, I think you're about the hardest working person I know, Aww. which coming from my father, who, who that you was, said was such a hardworking person. He literally he has it on his gravestone. Right. Like I got a phone and I just like, I had a, I like a relief kind of happy tears. Yeah. Because I went, oh, he knows. And he said, even on the call, he said, you're going to be all right. Oh, and I saw so oh, like, my my, gosh. I know, like, it just was like, my dad isn't going to worry about me. Yeah. And it just gave me such peace. But after I got that, I don't give a fuck about if people love me or not. Because mm -hmm. my dad gave me that. Mm -hmm. My dad gave me that moment. And I know my mom and I are close. To, and so I... I already have that with my mom. And so it's just, yeah, I just care less and then care more. I totally, totally get that. I love that you had that moment with him. That is so, so sweet. I wish you could put a memory into a picture frame, like just yeah. capture that somehow. Yeah, it was. And my brother had that in his own my brother had that in his own way too for him. I know you said you don't cover the Real Housewives, but do you watch? Do you watch Miami specifically? I haven't. I've only watched Salt Lake City. Okay. But was there a great a death in Miami as well? Oh my God, like all of them. They like what? all had something. Oh, so, really? Yeah. One lost her brother who lived in Haiti to the earthquake. One oh, wow. lost oh, wow. a child in a very traumatic way. It was like her ex-husband like took him for like a little bit and then just like the baby never came back oh my thing. gosh and alexia one of the like the probably like the main one she lost her husband and then it came out that he was gay and like that he was like with his lover at the time of death so she is like wow. not only processing like the death of her husband but like the death of everything that she thought that he was and trying to figure wow. that out. So that was like part of the season that she gets connected to his lover and speaks. Wow. With him. And it was like, she is just a powerhouse. I mean, she's been through so much in her life and I think she handles it all with such grace. She's definitely, she's got an edge to her, but not in like a bitchy sassy way, like in just like a, I'm here and I'm handling this and this is what I have to say about it type of thing. She was very much like, you know what? Like, I just wanted him to be happy. And if that is what his life was, then I support it. I, I, you know, her biggest gripe with it was not that it happened and not that he was cheating on her and not that he was living a double life, but that he didn't feel comfortable enough to tell her, mm -hmm. which I thought was like a very beautiful way of, of like dealing with it, especially mm. with these housewives, you know, that's all about yeah. them and like, mm -hmm. how can someone do this to me? And she was like, I feel horrible that he didn't feel that he could. And, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he at least got to live out his truth, even if it meant him cheating on me, which is like, wow, so strong. Wow. That's some acceptance. That's some yeah. radical acceptance right there.
And then at the end of the season was supposed to be her wedding to her new husband and her mom dies on her wedding day. Oh my gosh. And they had to postpone everything. And like what would have been like the wedding celebration then turned into the funeral and the end of the season was capped by one of the women held a celebration at the home where they all came together and like lit a candle for Alexia's mom and like said a little prayer and like let the candle into the water or something. It was really, really nice. And wow. such a sweet idea, like something that made me think, I'm like, huh, that ever, you know, God forbid that happens to a friend of mine or something like what a nice way to say, hey, why don't we all get together like in her honor while they're off doing everything that they need to do for the funeral? Like, let's get together to just like process everything and honor her and whatever. So mm. it was really nice. I mean, the whole season was just riddled with it <laughs> riddled with grief wow um selling That's... sunset do you watch that oh yeah we do I, you know jake watched the early seasons i've only covered the last two seasons and you know this reminded me too i we did have an episode of i'll tell you an episode of 90 day fiance there's a spinoff it's about to come out it's uh, about the second season of it's about to come out because there's you know like housewife there's all these different ones yeah yeah but it's called love in paradise and this one, the first season was about a woman from Seattle. It's a difference of, I want to bring it up because you just gave a story of someone that's kind of meeting grief head on. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, you know, if you don't feel it, you won't heal it kind of a yes. thing. Yes. And, and it's like seeing someone completely avoidant of it. There was a woman named Ellie from Seattle. She runs this very successful, like pizza parlor in Seattle, but she met this man on a vacation I forget the name of the island. So she's decided she's going to move there with that guy. And before she moved there, a category four hurricane hit the island. And so he's okay. Nobody died, but the home they were going to live in, everything's completely destroyed. And you're watching her and you're going, why is she not really kind of dealing with this head on? She seems like she's not accepting the reality of the situation. And then we found out that she was, I couldn't remember if she was engaged or married, but she went to go to a vacation with her husband and she just woke up the next morning and he was lying in bed, cold and dead and just oh died my in the middle God. of the night. And so she, and the way she just said it was just kind of so like matter of matter fact, of fact. a little bit of like tears in her eyes, but we watched it, Jake and I, and we both just went, holy crap. Yeah. Everything that happened in her season of just the messiness and the complete avoidance. Like of, all made sense. It all made yeah. sense. And it was just why she was even running away from the life she had and all because she just wasn't dealing with this death that happened uh -huh. to her. Anyway, That's I happened on that a couple story. of occasions. No, I, I like that you share that because it's true. There have been a couple of occasions where either in my real life or watching something on TV and, you know, there's just like weird stuff that's going on. And then you find out like, oh, they like lost their mom or they lost yeah. somebody. And I'm like, there it is. There it is. <laughs> like, there it is. That's why they are this way or they're avoidant or they're this or they're that. Like, I really do think it helps you understand so much more about yes. a yeah. person so oh that's interesting with that one wow yeah. so i think um, they're still together but he ended up moving to seattle so go figure boy 
Yeah. Also, you said pizza parlor and like now I have to have pizza. So that'll well, probably happen allowed. later today. So good for you. Thanks for that. Selling Sunset though, do you think it's real or do you think it's like completely fake? Because I'm on the 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 bandwagon of the latter. Oh, I it's scripted within an inch of its life. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's a great show. And you know how I I why I say that too is Chriselle lost both of her parents. And yeah, she did. We saw it for like five minutes. Vanessa lost her sister. They talked about that maybe like every now and we don't really know what happened. We just know that she lost her and they were super close and it makes her sad sometimes. I did but see they, that. I didn't see Chriselle lose her parents, but I saw Vanessa lose her sister. Yeah. Yeah. But they like they they like like ice skating right over it. And Maya, you know, this whole story, Maya lost her baby. Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know if you watch the show. So, but they completely, she was this last season, she was very pregnant. Yeah. And they completely edited out like any shots. Didn't even mention it. Being pregnant. Now they did mention it in the reunion. They had a, they had a reunion for the first time ever. Yeah. Um, I did wonder that. I just want to cut in real quick and say, I wonder if they consulted with her and said, like, do you want us to like, is it going to be too hard to watch like referencing your pregnancy? Like, yeah, that's true. Because nobody said anything about it. And and trust me with these girls, the way that they've responded to her pregnancies other times, that's just, I can tell you that's just not how it happened. They literally had a baby shower and they said, we're just having a dinner for Maya. And I'm like, this is a baby shower. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, so I might have edited that way for her. Maybe. At least I hope. Or if not, if they're like, we literally don't know what to do. So we're just going to edit it out. Then like, then I'm pissed. You know? Yeah, I do wish. I mean, talk about grief. And obviously, this is something I've gone through. But having a podcast where 98% of our listeners are women. And and usually women between the uh, most of our listeners are women between the ages of like 30 and 55. It's, you know, even in our Facebook group, like, People talk about miscarriage a lot. Yeah. And, and so it's starting to get a little better with things like Chrissy Teigen and stuff like, but she's kind of can be problematic in other ways, but I, I, it really has been a, a lesson for me of realizing, oh, women feel very alone in that. That's Mm -hmm. not something that's discussed about hardly at all. And I, it's, so it's this idea of, and even with grief, it's like, we know as a culture, if we avoid things, they don't heal right. and they don't get easier, but yet we really do avoid the most painful things that are happening in it with like death, grief. We're, we're either avoiding or sugarcoating these things. And I don't think that's helping. It's not. Yeah. And I mean, the numbers are staggering. First of all, with miscarriage, it's one in four women will experience a miscarriage. Yeah. And with death, everyone's going to experience it. Every single person, there's no way that you can get around it. it, So it's like, we're talking about reality television. Like, why aren't we going to talk about that? Why aren't we going to face this? I know that's not what the show's meant to be. It's supposed to be, I don't know, let me see your 17 inch Chanel heels and the $10 million house you're about to sell. But like, don't call yourself reality TV and say that you're you're covering what's real in this world. Because that was a very traumatic thing. I mean, that that wasn't even like, first trimester miscarriage like she lost her baby at like 38 weeks the only reference i have is my mother lost a baby at eight months 
She had two boys before us. So she miscarried one, I think at like three months. And then she miscarried the second one at eight months. And then she had my brother and then she had me. The eight month, he has a grave and like, cause mm-hmm. he had a name and everything. And so he's buried by my, my father's on one side and then my mother will be buried on the other side mm-hmm. of the child. My father wanted to be cremated because he wanted to be sprinkled on the baby's grave. And then we buried the rest. Of course, in an OU football urn, cause he wanted that too, but sure, whatever. Sure. But Oklahoma. <laughs> But it, you know, it's, it felt, I'd heard the stories, but that was the first time I'd ever seen that baby's gravestone. I think because I'd had grief before, but that was where a longing, a sadness that I made it real. Yeah. I'm not, not religious, but I'm spiritual. I do believe in God and energy and not necessarily heaven, but it made me a happy that my father was with his son Mm -hmm. that he never met. And, and that son was with, had the best dad in the world that oh. we got to experience. And then also my best friend, like my childhood best friend from like five years old was there and he looked at the grave and I didn't know this. He said, well, Matt, I didn't know your brother was born on the same day as me birthday. I guess we were meant to be brothers. <gasps> and all of that just made me boo hoo because it was wow. you know, such like an amazing wives connect. It's so now when I think of my best friend, I think of my brother, Charles, I never met. So it just, yeah. Life gave you the brother you were meant to have. Yeah. And this idea too of, I'm with you of remembering people on holidays and things like that. Had one of my neighbors, he's kind of like the curmudgeon in our built in our apartment complex and a building. And I always get along with him and I like him a lot. And the reason I like him a lot is because he lost a sibling. So he would text me and stuff a lot going through my dad and just Mm -hmm. kind of offering words. And one of the things he said to me, this might not be for everybody for him though. He told me, he said, Yeah, I wish it got easier, but it never really does get easier. And that, again, gave me comfort for me because I think like the perfectionist in me wanted to. like, Why do I still feel this? Why is it so hard? What's wrong with me? Yeah, and being gay and having these feelings and learning to tamper those down as a kid and wish things would go away and all that. So I'm really good at taking a feeling and going squash and say, I'm all good. And I didn't want to feel all good with my dad. I wanted... Because, um, you know, like when my friend Ronnie, who hosts that Watch What Crappens Housewife show said, like, this is when my dog died, he said this, but it hit me. He said, you know, it's okay to feel it. It's okay to cry about it. Because often when you feel the emotion, the strongest is when you feel like they're the closest and they're Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. And so it's this idea of, I want to remember my dad at Christmas. Like you said, I want to remember him because remembering him and then seeing this grave of my brother, it makes me feel less alone. It makes me feel like I'm part of something bigger of Mm -hmm. like, I'm part of a a web of love instead of just this like love here on earth. That's so interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I want to talk about them and I want to, and my brother and I are really good about that of texting each other or taking a picture of something that reminds us of our father or good. It's been, yeah. So anyway, that I just, that goes back to miscarriage. I have a new, just a new depth of empathy for men and women that have to go through a miscarriage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's started to, you're right with the Chrissy Teigen's and just other like cultural references that have gone on or other women that have started to talk about um, it. James Vanderbeek, his wife went through a miscarriage a couple of years ago and like he had a beautiful post about I think it was him that said that there needs to be a different word for this. 
Yeah. Like the word, it, 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 it puts shame on a woman of miscarriage. And, yeah. and, and I went, what a, what a beautiful statement. Yeah. Yeah. And for the men too, for him to come out and talk yeah. about it is big because, and I've known like friends that have had miscarriages, I'll make a point to go to the husband or to the partner and say, Hey, I know this is affecting you as much as her. I mean, it was her body, but it was still a, a life that you were both bringing into the world. Yeah. So it is, is, as you said, just as much on the men as well. Any other reality TV grief that comes to mind? I was trying to think of everything. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, I can't Oh my believe. God. Oh, I so can't wait to hear what you're going to say. We cover a show called Welcome to Plathville. I've heard of it. It's a I've show never watched it, but I've heard of it. It's like, a, they're like, they're not Amish, but they're like in some like rural, rural, rural community. Very, very kind of evangelical Christian family. They live in Georgia and they're not in a cult, but they're just a family with like 12 kids or something. Uh-huh. They have a bunch of kids. And, but what's the show, the, originally the show was about this husband and wife of this large white family and them kind of being just their family life. Well, then the second season really became about the three of the older kids were like, we don't want to do this anymore. Mm. And they like moved out. So again, we're watching the show and especially where we grew up, he grew up in South Carolina and me in Oklahoma, there was a lot of like Southern Baptist Protestant. And there's this idea that you can't be sad in, 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 at least in where we grew up in Christianity because they're with glory. They're walking the golden streets. Oh, right, Don't right. be sad. Right. And Catholicism wasn't like that, at least for me. It was more of like, you know, someone's in heaven, yeah. but it was, like I said, solemn. Yeah. Whereas this was like, oh, they're dancing with grandma and all that, you know, and it's this idea of like, don't be sad. Mm. Don't even cry. Like, don't have this grief. Yeah. That's not valid. That's not the way to. Yeah. Because you're going to go to the everlasting glory and all that. And this family, they, they, we, they finally talked about, they had a sibling that died when this baby was like three years old. The mother was backing out the truck and ran over her child and killed her child. No. Yes. And they just like dropped that middle of season two? They dropped it in the middle of like season one. And no. They, and like, for instance, they just kind of brought it up because the dad was taught, the dad and the wife are kind of, I don't think they're going to divorce. I think it's a little fake or whatever, but she's having, the mom is finally having her hot girl summer at uh-huh. like 44. Sure. And so 44, she, 12 kids later. Yeah. And doing like line dancing. It's, it, it, it's, it's a laugh. It, like it's a great show. It's very, it's very human, but uh-huh. it's also you, the parents are, they're both like terrible. And I think just not like the way they raise their kids even seems like they seem kind of checked out. And like, they let the older kids raise the younger kids and da, 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 da. But you see that probably one of the reasons the mom especially was checked out because they talk about, they've only seen their father cry twice. Once when the mother, I guess when the mom, she went to go live somewhere else for a little bit to give them space. And the daughter says, I've only seen my dad cry. And that was just, he cried the day that my brother died. Like, and that was it. And they, they really just talk about the kid died, but they're like, he's in heaven now he's in glory. They did not like, there was no family therapy. There was no processing of this at all. And like, they only kind of bring it up of the mom of the, of Kim talking about the death in season two. Finally, 
they went to see like his grave and it was like I think some of them like the first time they'd seen his grave like it's just such a completely not healthy way I want you could say different because you're being nice but I'm saying completely not healthy way (laughs) of dealing with grief yeah that so that's been really again like you said it was oh that's why you're this like that's why this is happening like it's like ding there it is Yeah. yeah well it's so interesting too how differently it can be handled from the cultures where like somebody dies and you literally wear black for a year or there's like the armband that you wear that's mm-hmm. like in memory of the person and then there's like the you know these the day of the dead and things that are very dedicated to it or there's this way where you literally don't even reference it ever again like it's it's yeah. bizarre how far on both ends of the spectrum that it can go and that to me really says like there is no right or wrong way to do this so like there i isn't. get angry going but like we're thinking about like i like so envy the way that you were able to do the funeral and the celebrations for him yeah. and like i wish i wasn't so like strapped by what i thought was right or what i thought i should have done well and also it was sudden like we couldn't yeah. have a funeral because of covid i think it would have been very different if we if my dad and because my dad he died in texas so they were so all the funeral homes were so backed up because of covid like they had to like they they couldn't even get him up to oklahoma for like a week yeah so it was just it it made us in a beautiful way pause instead of trying to wrap it up and that was that was a beautiful blessing that we got that a lot of people don't get it almost felt like I didn't know about this until I moved to Los Angeles because I was from Southern Oklahoma. So I never knew anyone Jewish my entire life until I literally like went to a move to a big city and like went to Dallas for college and stuff. But it wasn't until I moved to LA and worked a law office and one of the attorneys, a lot of attorneys that are Jewish and somebody said, oh, well, somebody died. And then somebody said Shiva. And I was like, what's that? Mm -hmm. And I think Shiva, sitting Shiva is such a beautiful thing. And I was so... And so it's almost like I kind of told myself like, oh, this is just like, I get like a three week shiva kind of like before I bury my dad. And I'm just, yeah. and it made me like go about the world differently, go about my day differently. I it's, will say yeah. about shiva though. So my, my husband is also a Jewish attorney. So there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. We did shiva for his mom and like by like the third or fourth day that we do it because it's like the family like will host something and people come and honor the family and i just remember like going back by like the third or fourth day and just being like i can't do this anymore like this this is so it's too intense emotionally draining yeah i mean and i i can see where it's very beneficial for some and and you know it's it's it is a lot though so again no right or wrong way it's just very no right or wrong way yeah i think it would be nice to to kind of like cherry pick and take from a bunch of different religions and a bunch of different cultures and make what you think works for you and that's something that i'm actually going to have an episode on soon of you know let's think about our death a little bit maybe more so than we we are told that we should and let's make it something that it should be and that we want and for our loved ones and and all that but it's hard nobody wants to talk about it but yeah but we are so we are thankfully (laughs) thankfully (laughs) any closing thoughts before we end today i'm just again i'm so grateful that we met at that conference it was just a, a the perfect timing of it and you know and I think you bring up such a beautiful point that you found me at the right time where I was in a good place to want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it was, you know, 
even in January after it happened or even before when I knew it was going to happen, I didn't really want to have a conversation about it. So I think Mm -hmm. for, I hope people listen to this and come away with it of grief is the fingerprint. It really is. That's what I'm learning too. It's so, even my brother, the way he has grief is very different than me. And we had the same father and the same upbringing, but that's his fingerprint that is just for him. And so don't let anyone put their fingerprint of grief on you. Like grieve in the way you need to. How profound, Matt Marr. That (laughs) is beautiful. (laughs) Sometimes it's dick jokes and sometimes it's a little bit of light. I don't know. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And two things. One, I meant to say at the beginning, happy Pride Month. Yes. Yeah. And two, best of luck to you on Father's Day. It's a little bit of a doozy. Boy, it's my first one and we're, woo, we're getting the stuff's coming up. So it's, Mm -hmm. uh, I have a friend who, my best friend who is, you know, it's going to, yeah, she, I called her when her dad died. I was, she said, you're the one person that called me on father's day. I said, mm. well, I thought of you, it's gotta be a weird day. So mm-hmm. we've been talking about, so anyway, I will say for anybody out there, at least for, for me, I just was, my dad was a bit of, like I said, he had an ego and he liked to be kind of like thought well thought of, but I just, and maybe that's where I get the, I know I get a lot of the performance gene in me from that because my mom is not like that, but I wanted my dad to be remembered for me. It just, that's why I love telling a story. Cause I feel like I'm remembering my dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when people have written cards or they texted, or they just send me a story or like the, the, that I will say the thing that healed me the most in all of this and God bless podcasting is when my father died, one of our listeners, we called them sissies. Her name was Megan. She just posted a thing saying, we're thinking of Matt right now. She said, what's your favorite Papa Mar story? Cause I called him that on the show. Cause I would talk about my dad all the time. Cause mm-hmm. he would, I mean, he would talk about his, his penis pump that he got. To, I mean, he <laughs> talked about everything and I would talk about it on the show. And what a missed funny. opportunity that was to not have a penis pump full of flowers at the I know, I, I know we tried. <laughs> and so, but he, she said, what's your favorite? Here's my favorite Papa Mar story. She told a story and then I have about 300 comments of everybody that has a different story about my father. I get emotional even now talking about it because, and so now, and they're sad stories, they're happy stories. And there's a lot of stories that I didn't even remember I told. Mm -hmm. And so I think about once it's less and less now it's been like once every like two or three weeks, I still go back to that thread and I just read stories about my father. And it's when I, when I read those stories is when I feel the closest to my dad. And so I just hope for me and you, people will give you their own boundaries, but this father's day, reach out to people that have lost their father because to me, I think that is such a profound and healing experience of that your parent is matter to someone else besides yes. you. Yes, that they lived and that, that they, they lived. impacts on people and yes. that other people remember them too. A hundred percent. They say that's the greatest gift you can give to a griever is to ask that person about their their loved one or to share your story of it, to to remind them. You know, it's like the, people are scared because they don't want to they don't want to say anything because they don't want to remind us that they died. We're very aware. <laughs> We're aware. <laughs> yeah. We want you to remind us that they lived. We so think about it every day. 
every day. So we are, you are not interrupting our lives. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned.